Hi, everyone. You've been waiting for it. It's the 2023 year-end Autism Science Foundation review. So 2023 was another year of valuable research findings that will improve the lives of individuals on the spectrum. Important advances were made in defining autism, measuring who has autism, understanding more about women with autism, and identifying genetic mechanisms of resilience. Also, technology and artificial intelligence, or AI, are reducing the time to diagnosis and improving access to early intervention. So the first question was, what is autism? This year, the community had a lot of conversations about how autism should be defined and diagnosed. Autism's heterogeneity complicates issues relating to research, advocacy, services, supports, and medical care. Some experience autism as a debilitating disorder, while others consider it an identity. Many fall in the middle. In 2021, the term profound autism was introduced to describe individuals who require 24-7 supports, who are minimally verbal or non-speaking, or have an IQ under 50. This year, there were several papers that examined this new definition and two editorials that attempted to reconcile the different views around the broad autism spectrum. For example, Jonathan Green and Andrew Whitehouse suggest that individual brain differences originating, originating genetically or as the result of gene-environment interactions lead to an autism diagnosis. At that point, it's followed by a transactional stage where children experience the world which molds their later behavior and functioning. The environment has a role on brain development. This view does not contradict the idea of profound autism, but hypothesizes the process by which autistic individuals develop symptoms and features and how some of them end up with a profound diagnosis and others consider themselves neurodivergent. It also explains the vast heterogeneity across the spectrum, why interventions and supports that are one-size-fits-all are not useful, and why autism is a distinct category rather than a continuation of typical variation. So who has autism? This title was borrowed from a 2014 Day of Learning presentation given by Kathy Rice from the Centers for Disease Control, but it's still a relevant question. New prevalence numbers for autism were released by the CDC Adam Network, which has been tracking autism prevalence for 20 plus years. This year, the CDC reported that the number of eight-year-old children that were diagnosed increased to one in 36, with the usual variability across gender and where a person lived. Similar data obtained from four-year-olds showed that early identification of autism is improving, And while racial and ethnic differences still existed in the cohort of four-year-old children, that disparity was reduced when they looked at eight-year-old children. But while racial disparities are changing, there's still features that differentiate those from different racial backgrounds. For example, intellectual disability is diagnosed more often in black children. Girls are also significantly less likely to be diagnosed than boys at either four or eight years of age a difference that's been consistently demonstrated and warrants further research. This year, for the first time, the CDC also measured the prevalence of profound autism using the definition in The Lancet in 2021, which was an IQ less than 50, minimally or nonverbal, and requiring round-the-clock supports. 
The CDC reported that 27.8% of those with a diagnosis meet the definition of profound autism. Members of this population are rarely included in research studies. In response, ASF launched a profound autism pilot grant program specifically devoted to understanding this underrepresented and understanded group of people with autism. The question of who has autism is muddled by the increased use of social media platforms that circulate inaccurate and misleading information about autism and its features. One study published this year showed that most of the information about autism on TikTok was inaccurate, but these representations were viewed just as often as the ones that were accurate presentations. This might explain misunderstandings about autism, what causes it, and what can be done to help those with a diagnosis. We will never be able to stop the spread of information, misinformation on the internet. Trust me, many people have tried. But families can educate themselves about the science of autism so they know what's true and what's false. This year also saw an explosion of new technology and artificial intelligence-assisted devices to help diagnose autism. These tools, otherwise known as slang as AI or artificial intelligence technologies, are being developed to better automate an autism diagnosis in the hopes of decreasing the time families spend waiting on an evaluation. Many of these new projects have been reviewed elsewhere or described in the ASF Weekly Science podcast. Two such AI tools designed to improve diagnosis uses measures of social attention and visual engagement, which is measuring how much time a child looks at something social versus something non-social, or objects in the environment versus faces. Researchers and clinicians have observed for years that children with autism tend to look less at faces and more of objects in a visual scene. Now, this knowledge has been turned into screening and diagnostic tools. Duke University piloted a system called sense to know and it showed promising results in pediatric settings. Another technology called EarlyPoint moved beyond the pilot stage and received FDA approval after validation for use in identifying children with autism as early as 16 months of age. Both are non-invasive and require a child to spend only a few minutes looking at different stimuli. They identify children with autism nearly as well as standardized assessments, which can take hours to administer and be very costly. Other telehealth technologies like As You Are and Canvas DX, Canvas DX was also FDA approved last year, are taking advantage of technological advances to use clinician-coded measures of autism behaviors to provide accessible diagnostic services. These are more like traditional assessments, but families upload videos of their children at home in more naturalistic settings and then put them on the internet for clinicians to code. These use mathematical calculations to determine a probability of a diagnosis from these shorter video recorded observations. Now, all of these machine learning approaches build on existing science around what is known about the early signs of autism, which behavioral features are most salient and what can be done to minimize burden to the family and eliminate diagnostic bias, as well as provide quality assessment services in countries that have few trained experts. The goal is to reduce these unacceptable wait lists to receive an evaluation. Other machine learning approaches are being used to study the best method of intervention. 
how to get better sleep, or the probability of a genetic diagnosis. Based on the number of published research protocol, there's at least four AI-based research studies in progress to improve understanding and prediction of severe and challenging behaviors, including one that was just published in JAMA in the last couple days. These tools were built off the arsenal of scientific discovery in autism that has been established over the past decades. Without many years of eye tracking, brain tissue analysis, genetic discovery, and facial expression analysis, developing tools like these would never have been possible. So where are our girls? In 2023, The Lancet published a list of suggestions for supporting females on the spectrum, ranging from recognizing female-driven stereotype behavior to improving employment opportunities that are traditionally focused on male interests. While it's known that factors like camouflaging autistic features hide a diagnosis, age tends to play a huge role in the features that are displayed by autistic females and autistic males, as well as those as well as how those behaviors are interpreted. While many non-biological hypotheses have been generated to explain the difference in the diagnostic prevalence of males versus females, there are also many neurobiological explanations which can explain why certain features of autism are present in females, including different activity in certain brain regions during adolescence. Scientists have been able to dissect different cells from males and female brains to confirm that female cells have a higher rate of mutations in autism risk genes compared to males. This has been shown earlier, but in whole brain and in blood. Finally, more research this year points to different patterns of brain development, which may explain behavioral differences in autistic females and males at birth. And females and males are typically different and gender disparities in diagnosis are not unique to autism. However, as females with autism are understudied and often overlooked, clinicians and care providers need more tools to help autistic families receive the services and support they need. So how does the autism brain work? Understanding basic neurological processes in autism leads to clues which influence therapeutics. Everyone wants to know what the autism brain looks like and how it functions across the lifespan and genders. By understanding basic neurological processes in the brain, scientists can identify tailored support options and even therapeutics. More studies this year have shown similarities in how areas of the brain connect compared to people with ADHD and bipolar depression. This is additional evidence that autism is part of a bigger spectrum of neurodevelopmental disorders that includes things like ADHD, depression, schizophrenia, and obsessive compulsive disorder. It also indicates while the autism brain may have a distinct profile, it also has many other similarities to different conditions and disorders. Therapeutic clues are being identified from circuits and molecular markers in the brain. By studying brain tissue, scientists have found the genes that control how neurons connect and how they communicate and are dampened in autism while those affecting inflammation are activated and upregulated. This finding has been confirmed in other body tissues and model systems. These changes suggest that initial overexcitation of brain cells and overconnectivity of cells leads to inflammation and potential neurodegeneration. These changes may worsen over time, opening up areas of research, not just in childhood, but through adulthood. One of the genes of interest, GABA, turns off cells and is thought as a traffic light 
ensuring that not all the lights are green and that the traffic flows safely. What would happen in a what would happen in a traffic intersection if all the lights were green? You need yellow, you need red. Brain tissue studies also realized Brain tissue studies also revealed that a decreased number of cells that contain GABA and thus ensure cells do not become too excited is linked to two specific measures of ASD, stereotypy and intellectual ability. Finally, new model systems called assembloids are now being used to identify and understand not just the genes associated with autism, but how they function in cells. By using assembloids, sometimes referred to as brains in a dish, Hundreds of different genes can be systematically altered, and the functions of the cells can be examined to determine what those genes are doing. Using these systems, researchers have found that a gene associated with autism affected the function of a brain, affected the function of a part of the cell called the endoplasmic reticulum, which resulted in normal mi- abnormal migration. That is, the cells did not go to the right places during development. And now we move on to changes. Families and individuals experience autism across the lifespan. So why should it be studied at just one time point? Longitudinal studies that track individuals over time are rare, but they're critical in developing our understanding of autism trajectories. Studies this year point to at least three types of trajectories. Kids who start off with fewer signs and continue to have relatively fewer support needs, kids who are more impaired and stay relatively stable, and kids whose symptoms worsen over time. Features at six months were able to predict outcome at five to six years with some but not absolute accuracy. While some studies are pointing to those three or four trajectory groups, there are other studies that show at least six. Longitudinal studies also indicated that people with autism showed higher levels of mental health problems across childhood, predicted by IQ and gender, with girls showing higher levels of depression and anxiety. Higher IQ at age two predicted lower levels of attention problems later on. From midlife through early old age, physical health worsened, as you might expect, but autism symptoms improved with differences seen between those with and without intellectual disability. Other turning points or critical windows for change seem to happen in childhood and early adolescence, reinforcing that change over time is not linear. There are many peaks and valleys along the way, again, influenced by intellectual ability. Females seem disproportionately affected by medical and psychiatric issues when transitioning from adolescence to adulthood. Future studies really should integrate core autism features as well as comorbid conditions to better understand the abilities, disabilities, and trajectories of those with autism. Now, genetics is not always deterministic. New understandings of the type of gene changes, where they occur in the body, and how they influence development can influence the type of treatment a person receives. There's been great debate over the utility of genetic research in autism, including the roles of different types of gene mutations in functioning and outcome. Now, even among rare genetic syndromes associated with autism, there's great heterogeneity in features, both within a diagnosis and across disorders. So how deterministic are these single gene mutations associated with autism? 
Recently, Roland and his colleagues in France demonstrated that some individuals who had rare genetic mutations didn't qualify for an autism diagnosis, sparking debate about resilience to genetic mutations. Is it social context? Is it epigenetic factors, gender, or other genes in the background that may be conferring protection to certain features? Recent evidence suggests that assortive mating may explain rare genetic variants in children with rare forms of autism. The phenotypic similarities of the biological parents have only before been hypothesized for common variation, but this new work suggests a role for rare variation as well. Those with rare genetic mutations and ASD are more likely to have common variants, each with their own distinct influence on brain development and autism behaviors. This is consistent with the liability threshold model, where family members who share genetic risk factors but do not have a diagnosis, but also with rare genetic and common variants, can add to a broad continuum, continuum of traits. In some of these cases, that leads to a diagnosis. More genetic research will identify how common and rare genes interact and how they lead to an autism diagnosis, what neural mechanisms are involved, and whether or how the genes lead to other outcomes besides autism. But sometimes it's not all about the autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. Comorbidities are life-threatening and can impair the quality of life, but there are some solutions. Comorbid medical and psychiatric issues are a prescient problem in the autism community because individuals with autism experience a higher burden of these disorders and conditions. There is an enduring recognition that comorbidities can be severe, impair daily life, and in the case of catatonia and seizures, even be fatal. Some features of autism associated with these comorbidities can be explained by etiological factors like premature history and preterm birth. But on the other hand, many genes that are related to autism, these rare genetic mutations, have multiple functions all over the body. These genes don't just occur in the brain. They include places like the GI system, leading to GI distress and dysfunction with an autism diagnosis. Identification of these genes has led to potential therapies. Most comorbidities are present across the lifespan, while some improve over time. And here's a little call out to the unspoken heroes of autism families, the siblings. Siblings have a unique relationship that lasts an entire life. Who knows you better than your brother or your sister? Research shows that non-autistic siblings of people with autism are at a higher risk for psychiatric and neurodevelopmental disorders compared to the general population. A thorough review of the literature published this year indicates a decreased quality of life and a sense of well-being in non-autistic siblings. Now, of course, this varied by age, sibling relationship, and other factors like features of autism in siblings, but it was found to be somewhat consistent across studies. There's not yet enough research to draw any conclusion about psychopathology in siblings, although depression was detected in some research. A new intervention incorporating cognitive behavioral therapy, positive psychology, and stress management showed promise in increasing resilience to adverse events, as well as promoting improved coping around stressful events in siblings. 
The presence of a typically developing sibling has a beneficial effect on a multitude of outcomes for their autistic brother or sister. Although, again, differences in ages, sibling relationships, and presence of challenging behaviors influence the strength of those findings. The IQ of the sibling and the presence of externalizing behaviors significantly influence conflict between siblings. Instances where the person with autism had an intellectual disability showed the lowest level of con conflict, while instances where the person with autism was prone to aggression showed the highest levels of conflict. And here are some final thoughts. After a diagnosis, the first task is to provide appropriate services, supports, and interventions. But what works in one person does not work in another. The goal of autism research is to help individuals with autism and their families to lead their best lives. The rise of the personalized medicine kind of movement started by Obama will improve opportunities to deliver the right treatments to the right person at the right time. Gene-first studies are identifying treatments that are targeted at the underlying biological causes of autism in individuals with rare genetic forms of autism. Longitudinal studies can identify critical windows for intervention. AI-driven technologies are being developed to improve diagnosis and mitigate symptoms. Comprehensive meta-analyses continue to reinforce the benefits of behavioral and developmental interventions for the core features of autism. And studies continue to confirm that earlier is better when it comes to intervention. For example, a new randomized clinical trial confirmed that 18 to 24-month-old children who received more intensive, individualized forms of intervention earlier showed greater gains in language, social communication, and self-help than those who received the intervention later. Another study showed that those with better baseline adaptive skills had such strong responses to early intervention that their later diagnosis was no longer evident by school age, suggesting that this may influence response to intervention. Research this year also demonstrated that meaningful gains in language can be made in autistic children who are non-speaking through both behavioral and naturalistic developmental interventions, as well as confirming that intervention saves money in the long term. Now, no single intervention is going to support everyone across the spectrum equally, but it's clear that access to early evidence-based intervention to help children live their best lives possible is an imperative for child health and development. Thank you for listening. The full text of the 2023 year-end summary is on the Autism Science Foundation webpage. Thanks for listening this year. Talk to you in 2024.